got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat at the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, pretty good weekend of rugby, all things considered. Yeah, it's not often um, on this podcast in the last uh, year and a half or so that we've been able to come on after a weekend like that. What a weekend of rugby that was. Um, starting on Friday night, obviously, most importantly, um, against Exeter at the Wreck and uh, obviously going on to England, uh, uh, the England game the following day. And even, um, you know, Wales being uh, knocked out in the semi-finals again was uh, was pretty satisfying, G. What a weekend. And old Sulian's getting a key uh, win against Kane from second. Oh, how could I, how could I forget yeah. as well? The world rugby turned to watch that <laughs> game uh, on, on Saturday afternoon after England had gone through to the final. World rugby wouldn't have been able to watch that game given the storm and foggy conditions up on Lansdowne Hill but um, and that would be the highlight of my rugby weekend came before that on Friday night Tom where we shall start this podcast uh, given we are the Bath Rugby Plug I don't think many rugby podcasts this week there are many but I don't think many will be starting with the Bath Extra game um, so that's why you come to us that's why you subscribe and um, you hopefully subscribe for this analysis which Tom is about to give us Tom what a win what was the turnaround uh, from from obviously last week's huge disappointment against Bristol. It was quite incredible. I mean, it's pretty much the same uh, team personnel-wise, but it looked a completely different um, set of players. The mentality seemed different. Um, we seemed to thrive um, in these uh, horrendous, uh, rainy conditions. Um, you know, I remember... Um, you know, Champions Cup uh, a couple of seasons ago. Who is it we were playing? Um, Scarlet. Against Scarlets, exactly. Yeah. When uh, Rhys Priestland, uh, um, you know, um, drove us to a, a, a spectacular uh, victory, um, kicked all the points and uh, won that game. And we seem, we seem to get on um, particularly well in those conditions. And, and against Exeter, um, you know, who are known as, as possibly the most powerful uh, team to out Exeter, out, out Exeter, mm-hmm. yeah. um, Exeter, um, as it were, in those conditions, was uh, was incredible. Well, you were at the game. What was uh, um, what was it like? There was good atmosphere at the at the wreck on Friday. Yeah, so I think the first thing I've written down, like you, Tom, is uh, we beat extra at their own game, mm. which was what was so pleasing. And just on the atmosphere, as you asked, it was it was strange because it, it was really tetchy at the start. I think I think people were sort of turning up, obviously excited, but sort of anticipating the worst. Even I um, was not that confident of the victory, um, which is unusual given how optimistic I usually am before a Bath game. But I think once we sort of realised that the game was going to be close and that the boys were going to need the support of the crowd, I think we the, the fans really grew into it. And especially after that try, just on the stroke of half-time, which was a key turning point, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Mm. I think after that and in the second half, the crowd played a massive part. And um, yeah, I was really pleased with the Bath fans because it could have got, um, especially if actually had started really fast, it could have been quite a tough day uh, given the conditions. You know, you know, Exeter would have been looking to come and make a statement. Mm-hmm. They would have seen um, the game against uh, Bristol at Ashton Gate, which um, we haven't touched on, and I think we'll probably uh, we well, we'll gloss over that one uh, fairly quickly. It was very, uh, it was a poor performance. It was the perfect storm for yeah. uh, for Bristol and their fans. Um, sold at Ashton Gate, um, you know, and, and and did a bit of a job um, on the West their West Country rivals. Obviously, showcased their um, new signings. Um, they're obviously not nearly as as affected um, with internationals 
um, as as Bath were. So uh, a really disappointing result. And Exeter would have looked at that and thought, right, we've got a pretty much got um, a full strength team. We've certainly got um, a full strength pack, um, you know, with the exception of um, of a couple of players. So they will have um, been looking to make a, a massive statement and come down um, and, and, you know, assert their, their dominance um, on Bath as they did um, on both the home and away fixtures last season. So um, fantastic effort um, from the boys to um, from the boys to turn that away, uh, yeah, turn just, that around. Just on the Bristol game, before we move on, we should probably touch on it. Apologies, we didn't have a podcast uh, reviewing that game, but probably not many of you have tuned in anyway. Um, and also apologies for the slight technical error uh, that we had in uploading the Bristol preview podcast. If you did listen and only heard our glorious theme tune and then nothing else, then I do apologise. Uh, that was a rather panicky half an hour in the middle of the night in... Um, Beppu after a few pints trying to work out just how I'd uh, messed that up so badly um, and also apologise for the predictions <laughs> that I made on that yeah. podcast um, but yeah sorry that we didn't get out but I do think on that Bristol game Tom you're absolutely right that it's never ever going to get better well it this season will never get better than that for Bristol it mm. was exactly the perfect scenario for them and so difficult for us um, and yeah we, it got out of hand massively in the last 20 minutes and the scoreline looked terrible and it was a terrible performance and Bristol massively outplayed us credits then but um, let's just see how the final table shapes out exactly. with, with Bristol moving back onto positives and, and, and the extra game Tom uh, and probably an area that um, I want to touch on but you probably should touch on given you are the front row expert um, how impressed were you with uh, our scrum and it, particularly uh, the new guys stepping in to that front row. Yeah, I mean, it, it was absolutely massive. Those guys, um, as I've said on a few occasions, have been one of the real positives um, in the off-season. Um, I think they're still trying to work out sort of who um, the first choice are. It's either that or they're sort of going back to that old um, sort of rotation policy where, um, you know, guys will get starts and guys will then come off the bench um, sort of the following week. But um, I thought they were brilliant. Beno Urbano um, in particular actually was... Um, was fantastic in the loose, carrying really hard, um, getting about. Looks, he looks fit and and, and ready to go. Um, and you know, up against some stiff competition as well. You know, when you got Ben Moon um, and Harry Williams, um, both who've been involved um, in recent times um, with England, um, and then Alec Hepburn, another England uh, prop on the bench. Um, that's some really uh, tough competition, and they would have fancied themselves those extra uh, props to um, to get you know to, to have the advantage there. I thought. Um, particularly, um, sort of most memorably, I guess, right at the end of the game, um, in the sort of the 75th minute, when we had that all-important mm, yeah. uh, penalty at the scrum. That was Lewis Boyce um, really getting on top of his opposite man, um, Marcus Street, there, and, and getting the nudge on, and ultimately um, winning the penalties. You know, obviously, we've seen all these last-minute um, Bath losses. Um, uh, particularly last season. So it, it did feel like it could have mm. been um, sort of another one of those with Exeter sort of um, down near the bar 22. So massive character um, shown by him. Um, I thought Boyce, when he came on, he carried um, exceptionally hard and was, was dominant in the scrum. So yeah, really excited, if you can't tell, um, about uh, these um, these young lads, about, about the front row. I thought they were brilliant. Yeah, and I, I was really impressed with Will Stewart actually as well um, on the tight head side. And Henry Thomas was actually at the wreck uh, talking to the, uh, the the guy over the tannoy um, pre-game and during half-time. And I, I managed to grab a quick word with him and he said he was looking <clears> to be back um, next next week So for, for the Wasps game. So as you say, competition for places in that front row key. And um, yeah, I think 
if we can keep them all fit, that's going to be a massive area of expertise. Unfortunately, I uh, probably should mention Nathan Cat. Yeah. Uh, God, that was very disappointing news, Tom, about his injury. Ruled out for the season. Um, disappointing as well that we sort of heard about it kind of after it, the surgery had happened. Weren't really made aware of, of Cat's no. injury. And, you know, a massive player for us last year, one of our favourites, and sort mm. of gone for the season now. So pretty disappointing that from 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 all from all perspectives. Uh, and what's worrying as well is, you know, he's 31 years of age now. Obviously, he's been rehabbing um, in the off-season, as has now been um, revealed. And, and in the article, I think, um, that I read on um, on Somerset Live, um, I think Stuart Hooper was quoted as saying that he was um, going to focus on his coaching um, during this season, which for me, again, doesn't really send the right message. I mean, I obviously understand that players, um, particularly when they're getting towards um, the latter stage of their career, I mean, they need to be looking at what they're going to do next. However, you know, as you say, Nathan Cat was one of our strongest players um, last season. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, very, very disappointing. Um, but I guess, um, you know, every cloud um, and, and, you know, these young guys um, on the loose outside, Ben Urbano, um, in particular, Lewis Boyce as well, will be looking to make their, um, make their Mark Will Vaughan, um, the other one on that side, who will be um, yeah. getting more and more opportunities this Friendly season. Podcast Will Vaughan. Yeah. Uh, he will probably yeah get opportunities, as you say, Tom. Um, just, yeah. just running through the game, though. So yeah. I thought um, kind of the first 10, 20 minutes, you spoke about Exeter starting fast. And they did actually start relatively mm-hmm. fast. Obviously, had sort of sustained... Um, pressure, wave after wave of of pick and drives of of playing off nine. I think a stat um, on BT Sport that was kind of released about an hour into the game was extra played ninety three percent of their attacking ball off nine. Um, so it really, really is um, kind of that typical um, game plan that you associate with Exeter, and we weathered that storm incredibly well. Um, you know, it was really, really well. I mean, you know, 61% possession extra in the first half and 63% territory, only to concede that one try um, mm. after sort of pounding, pounding um, up against the line was was brilliant. And, you know, the usual um, suspects, um, you know, I'm sure you agree, were absolutely immense. So um, some real eye-catching um, sort of Sam Underhill-esque shots from um, from Tom Ellis and, and Zach Mercer. Um, and then just the work rate from from you know the, the usual guys again. Um, Charlie Yule's um, with 21 tackles in the game, mm. and get this uh, pod favourite um, Tom Dunn um, in his four, in his 47 minutes that he played before he went off for for an HIA made 20 tackles. That is ridiculous work rate from uh, from him, and uh, yeah, it's just felt felt like a real real team effort. Um, it felt like we weren't just going to fold um, under under pressure as we did the. Um, the week before, and for me, that was um, that was the most encouraging thing, actually. Yeah, you mentioned Yules there, and, and I was really impressed with his performance. I think he did win a man of the match award. I'm not sure it was the BT one, no. but a, a, a Bath one certainly. Yeah. And I was massively impressed with him, as you say, 21 tackles. And last week, they they took him off after after 50 minutes um, and brought on Stuke last week. Uh, this week, Stuke came on for the injured McNally, mm. uh, and I thought last week that was a bizarre decision to take Stuke off. Uh, to say yours off, sorry, because I think he was key there to that game not getting out of hand, especially with his leadership as club captain. And I was so glad to see that he did play the, the full 80, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and, and had a massive impact, as you say. And I think we really need to focus on keeping, we've got those leaders, Yulesy and Ellis, on the pitch 
um, for, for as long as we can. So I think they're pivotal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only um, caveat I'd say with Yules is it's not, you sometimes think that Charlie Yules has made that tackle and then he's at the next ruck and you're thinking, how on earth is he doing that? And I'll tell you, him, Mike Williams yeah. and Josh Bayliss when he came on, <laughs> they look absolutely identical. There was a shot on BT and we sort of panned to all three of them. Um, and it took me, uh, you know, a second or two to work out who was who. So, um, yeah, Josh Bayliss and, and Mike Williams also probably deserve credit for um, for, for some of Charlie Yules' work. Uh, yeah, any other um, guys you want to pick out? I, I'd just like to mention that um, Zach Mercer covering tackle on, on Alex oh, Cuthbert. To show, a, yeah. to show a winger the outside and then to absolutely cream it. British Norris Lions uh, winger, Alex Cuthbert, yeah. back, in, back in his day. Um, and yeah. he but yeah, looked very very dangerous should have been tackled by um, uh, by Rocco Daguni I think initially there was a little bit of rustiness there um, from him and obviously sort of jinked through um, a couple of forwards and, and Mercer looked like he was um, he was running in treacle yeah. there was an interview at the end with, with Rhys Priestland and him um, on BT to give him the, to give Mercer the man of the match um, award and uh, yeah Priestland said he was sort of running back and thought oh Mercer's uh, Mercer's running in running in absolute treacle here but he uh, yeah um, sold him the outside and, uh, and and Cuthbert took him and uh, hit him and Freddie Burns um, got across. Yeah, what what a tackle! You remember the the Marcus Smith uh, yeah. tackle yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when he when he yeah, had an intercept so, against yeah. Quinns last season. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of that. Mercer's got some some pace to burn, hasn't he? Yeah, He's, and he was outstanding again, not just in, in that moment, just generally um, as a carrier. I think we perhaps lack carriers in that back row uh, 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 in that pack at the minute. Um, and I think Mercer is doing so much work there. Uh, really impressed with him as per. I mean, we we have to we mention him every week, but um, outstanding again. And another guy I think who was outstanding in defence was was Max Wright. Thought he really stepped up. Him and Roberts, uh, particularly in that first half, really um, looked like they were building a good partnership. Unfortunately, mm. Roberts had to go off, and and I think actually Wright was was struggling with a with a leg injury. Um, and he stayed on the field and, and was outstanding right until the, the final whistle. Mm. So a real gutsy performance, I, I thought, from Max Wright to stay on the field. I think if Roberts hadn't gone off, then it would have been right to come off. But he understood that he had to stay on the field. We'd rejig that back line anyway, and I thought he was outstanding. And um, he got a photo with uh, me at the end. So if you want me to praise you on this podcast, so uh, players. Um, that'll be the highlight then, of his night then. Yeah, I think it probably was. was certainly one of the highlights of my night. But if you want me to praise you on this podcast, Bath players, then um, yeah, just come get a photo with me at the end. Yeah, Max Wright's definitely been uh, uh, probably learning a bit of uh, Jonathan Joseph's expertise in defence. So the way he he sort of marshals um, on the outside, he knows when to um, fly out of the line and kind of make the tackle. He knows when to kind of hold off and um, and drift. And um, I think he's he's turning into a a a really good um, operator. I was obviously um, very impressed with him when he when he sort of came onto the scene. Um, mm-hmm. onto the scene last season so uh, yeah keeping uh, keeping JJ's uh, jersey warm very very nicely indeed it wasn't the night for it on Friday but would like to see um, slightly more a bit more creativity maybe a bit more in attack from right um, his defence I think is solid uh, still waiting for that other side to develop there's been flashes I think from him um, but obviously Friday wasn't the night maybe looking forward in the future and that's the Erebus game a little bit Dempsey that he's going to gonna work and this is the thing like, I think in, in a back line um, you know whatever the conditions are you need one out and out threat mm-hmm. and I think against uh, you know a threat that defenders kind of fear and they're always not sure kind of um, you know what's going to happen if, and I think against Bristol we sort of lack that to be honest um, and I think having Rocco de Gooney back, he, yeah. he, he maybe didn't have his, um, you know, his best game, but obviously that's kind of to be expected. But he just puts defences 
um, on edge. You know, he, he was top um, uh, defenders beaten in the Bath team. Um, and, he, and he just kind of, he just has that ability to, to, to make things happen. And I think um, it, it kind of helps out um, the rest of the back line and the rest of the team when, um, you know, when, when you've got a player like that, even as you say, if the conditions weren't kind of right for, for, for his style of play. It doesn't help that we've got four attacking threats in the back line that are uh, in Japan for one more week, as we will talk about later on in the podcast. So stick around for that. Um, any final thoughts on this game, Tom? You yeah. told me before you've got loads yeah, of Yeah, well, so, I, I was... Um, I was geeking out on it a little bit. I thought a couple of players I'd be sort of keen to get get your view on. The first yeah. is, is Mike Williams. Um, so very interestingly, um, he for most of the game actually was playing on the open side um, side of the scrum mm-hmm. with Ellis um, with Ellis at, at six. Um, I thought he he was kind of hot and cold. Um, he is the kind of guy that will at, will fly out the line, um, make massive eye catching shots when you sort of the turnover. He's I was impressed actually with him. Um, kind of over the ball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, you know, fantastic carrier, but kind of not going to step and jink in the same way as as Zach Mercer. You kind of know exactly what you're getting from him. He's going to he's going to win the collisions um, against big guys like you know Dave Ewers and, and Matt Kavesic. So very kind of impressed with that side of his game. The only thing I think I saw kind of creeping into his game a little bit, and having friends who are um, Leicester Tigers fans, I know this is kind of something that's been frustrating in the past. Um, was his discipline. Um, so in the first half, I think I counted three or four penalties um, that kind of he was he was responsible for. And some of them were things that, um, you know, he really kind of should know, uh, know better, kind of unforced errors, as it were. So um, obviously really glad that he's kind of eager and, and looking to get stuck in and, and make an impact, but um, just potentially needs to kind of curb um, uh, some, of the, some of the discipline. So he curbs his enthusiasm. Uh, yeah, curbs his enthusiasm slightly. Um, the other guy who I'm sure you, I know you... Just, you just on that back row, I'll just make a comment on that. I think the balance of that back row is really interesting at the moment because we haven't got Underhill and we haven't got Francois Lowe. Uh, Francois Lowe, and I, 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 there are two main fetches uh, in that seven jersey. Mm. And so I think with Ellis and with Williams, that, that side of our game uh, has been taken away slightly. But I think on a night like Friday, mm. when it was line-out was key and defence around the breakdown... Um, and discipline was key. I think that sort of balance actually worked really well. Um, Exeter obviously renowned for their line-out uh, attack and driving more. And I think having sort of almost what could be argued five people that could play lock, four people that could play yeah, lock in that sure. pack, Ellis, Williams, and then the two locks, um, I think really helped in that department. So uh, on another day, we will miss the, the scavenging of Underhill and the scavenging of Low. But on 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 Friday, I don't think we did, which yeah. which was good. The other player who who came on um, earlier on in the game mm. um, in the 25th minute um, again due to um, due to an HI on on Will Chudley was was Chris Cook and I know you were um, you're impressed with how he got on. Yeah, not always um, impressed with Cook as uh, we've said before on this podcast can be rash, can give away silly penalties, but um, can also really speed the game up and can also get on a roll and and and, and have a really positive impact on the game. And I thought he did that on. on Friday night. I thought he made a huge, huge mm. impact to that game. Um, a massive turning point was that try on, on just on the stroke of half time. And he'd been on for, as you say, about 15 minutes. Yeah. And the, the tide had just started to turn back uh, towards Bath. Uh, and I think he was a massive impact. And it, it, his kicking game was strong. Had a good partnership with Priestland, who obviously also played quite well, I thought. Uh, so, yeah, impressed with Cook. It'd just be nice if he could string a bit of consistency uh, to his game because we haven't seen that. And he's been at the club for 
for a number of seasons now and he's not really had a, a run in that nine jersey as he would like because he's just can be extremely inconsistent. I think it was even more impressive in, in those conditions. What he did mm. really well um, was not only sort of manufacture um, quick ball but give sort of accurate um, fast passes to the guys on the break that yeah. you could then carry hard. So in the lead up to, to the Tom um, Dunn try, there was sort of a, a number of successive runners. So it was Rocco de Guni, Williams, Beno Urbano sort of consecutive, consecutively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is impossible um, to, to defend against when those guys are taking the ball on the gain line um, and you're getting quick ball. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we've spoken about Will Chudley's kind of composure and his ability to calm um, calm down um, sort of a team and situations in the past and, and that's got its, its place as well um, but I think um, Cook was you know I was really impressed with how he was able to sort of execute those skills so early on in the season um, and also um, in, in those conditions mm-hmm. A point then on his halfback partner Tom Preston I felt like had a good game I think that's generally yeah. considered had a good game um, Kitwell obviously uh, in conditions that probably suit his style of, of fly half play. Mm-hmm. Last week, uh, Priestland played, probably didn't have his best game, probably wouldn't no. have received a very glowing review if there had been a Bath Rugby Plug podcast after the Bristol game. Um, in a situation where Burns may have been stronger. Now, I um, have always been in favour of sticking with one fly half and having that yeah. consistency in selection. Does the past two weeks make me look stupid in that? I don't know. I think if you listen to the interview um, after the after the game, as I said, with with Priest and Mercer, I mean, he was sort of visibly very, very disappointed. You know, expressed disappointment um, with how he personally performed in the Bristol game and how the the sort of wider backline performed. He said, um, you know, he could he understood that it was going wrong and that they were sort of offering nothing in attack. But he said it was sort of very hard to solve the problems um, and shake off the rustiness in the first game of the season. Mm. So, um, you know. Preeson does always perform well, as we've said, in, in those kind of conditions. He kicked very um, accurately. Um, you know, his place kicking was good, and I thought he kind of marshaled the troops really well. Mm. Um, he's never going to be a George Ford um, or a, or even a Freddie Burns um, in terms of creativity and attack when when the conditions are nice. So it's just about finding um, what overall you think you think works best. Um, I think it's very early on in the season. I agree with you um, that they should kind of stick with the one fly half, mm-hmm. and I'd like to okay. see him. Um, given a go in sort of more different types of, of conditions and kind of see how see how it gets on. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, if you don't agree with us, I think there would be a lot of Bath fans that will want maybe rotation at fly half and certainly see Freddie Burns given a chance. And if you do, um, please join in the debate on Twitter at Bath Rugby Plug. Um, as always, uh, really happy to hear your thoughts on there. Uh, final thoughts on the game, Tom, before we, before we move on. Um, any other points you, you want to touch on? Um, the only sort of slight criticism I had um, from the game, and it was sort of moving into the into the second half where we had a lot more ball and, and, and a lot more territory as well, um, is that we did have those opportunities to score points. Mm-hmm. Um, we did spend a fair bit of time down in the 22. We got uh, penalties um, down um, in the 22. I think on a couple of occasions, um, I'd potentially question um, the decision-making of those penalties. I think in those conditions... Um, they, could, they could have potentially looked at taking three points, whereas actually they, you know, they kicked for the corner and opted to yeah. um, to try and drive um, drive them all over the line. So um, a little bit of kind of um, uh, potentially could have gone the other way if um, obviously with only that three point margin. So um, my preference would be to try and sort of bank those um, bank those points and also sort of when we're down there maybe um, make slightly more of those opportunities. But 
um, you know, I appreciate it. it's very easy sitting um, at home on your sofa and watching it. You know, conditions were um, conditions were <laughs> were horrible, and overall, um, you know, to 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 win the the game line, to win the the, the battle of the um, of the packs against um, you know a team like Exeter who pride themselves on on that very um, mm. very part of the game was uh, was fantastic, and, and you know the boys can be massively proud of of themselves with that comeback and. Um, a lot of people were doubting. A lot of people were quick to, you know, a lot of people were quick, a lot of people were quick to write off, um, you know, um, Hooper and, and and the wider squad um, after the Bristol game. And yeah, it was huge disappointing. But um, uh, yeah, great to, um, as I say, can be massively proud of the way they've come back. Yeah, I think Hooper's can can have a nice uh, glass of wine or every once on Friday night and, and and pat himself on the back because, as you say, it was extremely disappointing that that first game. But um, a lot of negativity around Bath, which I, I didn't think was justified after, as we said, a, a really difficult first fixture with a lot of guys away. So um, I bet he'll be happy to prove a few very early doubters wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, we're in for an up and down season perhaps, but hopefully an exciting one. And um, it was great from my point of view to be back at the rec. Had a great night, as always. Uh, Friday night lights always seems to rain, but never seems to dampen anyone's spirits. So um Really excited to have have the Premiership rugby season back and um, stick through the season thick and thin because um, we'll get there eventually. Um, moving on, Tom, um, and before we touch on the England victory and then move on to preview our game against Wasps at the weekend, uh, unfortunately, it wasn't all brilliant news um, this week. This week, uh, obviously, the extremely sad news surrounding. Max McMullen, the uh, 15-year-old um, Bath Academy player who tragically died in Spain. Um, Tom, really nice moment before the game against Exeter, uh, ar- around a minute's applause. Um, obviously, uh, everyone got massive silence. Yeah, I think it was a minute's applause. Okay. Yeah, minute's applause. Um, thoughts with his family, obviously, and his teammates. It must be a really tough time for for, for the club. Yeah, obviously, um, absolutely. Tragic news, as you say, and um, yeah, um, thoughts and, and prayers go out to yeah. go out to Max's uh, Max's friends and family. Yeah, the, the guys uh, hopefully did his his family proud and uh, everyone involved with that proud on on Friday night uh, puts things into perspective. Moving on then to the England game on the Saturday morning. Uh, where were you, and how many pints deep were you on the full time whistle? Well, full time whistle, um, too many to remember. But I think the, the first few minutes were. Um, you know, as I say, we're so nervy. Even the first, the whole of the first half, you just felt that um, New Zealand would, the, the tide would turn at some point, and New Zealand would um, show the sort of attacking dominance that um, that you know that, that they did in the in the quarter final against Ireland. But um, it just never came, and it wasn't um, New Zealand playing badly. Uh, I, I don't think it was. Um, the England just did not allow them to play the game. Brutal, absolutely brutal um, in defence, in particular. Um, tactical kicking was was spot on. Um, George Ford um, again proved doubters wrong at, at international level and, and played fantastically. Um, but you know, closer to home, um, Sam Underhill um, is 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 just a colossus, isn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, takes me back to the two thousand and three uh, final, which is probably the um, you know the best moment. Uh, well, as in this game is probably the best um, uh, time for an English rugby fan since. Um, that final and that dump tackle on George Regan 
by uh, Mike Tyndall towards the end of that game that became sort of an iconic um, image, certainly in my memory. And I think Underhill probably had three or four um, moments. Um, Particularly uh, that one on Jordy Parrott. Yeah, Jordy Parrott, yeah. forced him to, to knock it on. In, in, a, in a key moment just after Ardi Sarve had scored uh, that try, I think that was a key momentum swing. But as you say, Tom, everything went right from, from England's perspective. And I, I'm not sure it was a case of, of New Zealand necessarily playing badly. It was just uh, the most complete England performance. I can probably remember the line-out, which was going to be a key factor going into it worked perfectly the 10 and 12 axis which was Jones's big selection worked perfectly everything went to plan for for Jones Tom as you say and and the discipline which the ill discipline which sort of marred many England performances over Jones's tenure just wasn't there so uh yeah fantastic effort for, for, from the England boys yeah absolutely and obviously the the kamikaze twins uh, mm. so-called um it's kind of Throughout the tournament, when they've been playing together, it's kind of been, or who's you know come out on top, who um, slightly had the edge um, uh, on the day, and they were both absolutely spectacular. Mm-hmm. When you put into context that um, you know they're twenty one and and twenty three respectively, and and going <laughs> round dominating players, Kieran Reid, um, uh, you know Sam Whitelock, Brodie Retallet, double World Cup winners um, with a hundred plus caps. Um, and they're making these guys make silly mistakes and, and, and get rattled and give away um, ill-disciplined penalties, and uh, absolutely um, incredible. And it, it, you know, it makes you it makes you massively proud um, to be to be an Englishman, and also makes you have a huge amount of respect um, both for the players, um, the entire coaching staff, and also who also Eddie Jones, who um, now I think it's you know beyond any. Uh, dispute is an absolute mastermind of a coach. The only coach to yeah. um, to beat New Zealand twice um, in in World Cups. Obviously, what he's done for um, Japanese rugby, as as we saw when we were there, um, is absolutely uh, monumental as well. So uh, yeah, what a man! Um, and uh, uh, fingers crossed going into into next weekend. You know, I think we've got every reason to be to be confident. But obviously, it's going to be be a very very uh, nervy morning. Yeah, excited, excited. Still haven't answered how many pints deep you were, but I guess that shows how many pints deep you were that you maybe can't uh, remember. And the and the most important thing, you know, we, we spoke we've spoken a lot about the lack of uh, the lack of silverware um, for Bath Rugby and, and their players, but Bath Rugby will have yeah. <laughs> um, a World Cup winner, um, at least one World Cup winner, um, with obviously. South Africa making it through against Wales as well. Mm, yeah, fair play to Francois. Key turnover towards oh, the end of that brilliant, game. brilliant, wasn't so, it? Yeah, um, that was good from him. But I thought Tony was outstanding. Anthony Watson was outstanding uh, for England. Um, thought he, 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 I've said it before, actually watching him play for England in this World Cup, but he looks stronger than he has have, ever has. And he looks like a real difficult player to, to bring down, which is an area of his game that, which has massively improved. And um, yeah, England's pack looks good. So uh, Neil Hatley, um, coming over is uh, is really is really exactly. Well, I don't, I don't think the scrum really needs uh, um, yeah. needs much more help. They seem to have it have it working pretty well um, by themselves. But um, yeah, he'll be a massive man to uh, to come back in his shorts from uh, yeah. from Japan. I'm not sure how his and, shorts would uh, have fared on Friday night, but he would have been in them anyway. So. Yeah, he would have been wading through in, in wellies, maybe <laughs> wellies and shorts. Um, yeah. So excited for, for this weekend, like all England fans, I'm sure the majority of people that listen to this podcast are England fans and can um, 
empathise with the excitement leading into next weekend. Um, and if you are a Welsh fan or an Irish fan, then uh, please don't turn off. Um, it will be all Bath from, from for the rest of the season. Well, I was going to say, allow us to revel in this moment of, of, of England's success. And how how much did it get your heart racing when uh, England formed the oh. um, the sort of arrow uh, formation for the um, for the hacker with sort of probably for me. Um, one of the one of the iconic images of the World Cup with Owen Farrell That's kind of just smirk, stood yeah. at the back, um, smirking. That's, yeah, certainly got um, certainly got the adrenaline adrenaline for it flowing. It looks good now. Now that we've beaten them comprehensively, if they had um, turned us over, then that Farrell smirk may have been used uh, by Kiwis uh, for for a few years. But um, yeah, Jones, a perfect game. Uh, New Zealand. As I say, I don't think played terribly. And I also don't think, from their point of view, just finally, it doesn't feel like an end-of-an-era team like it did four years ago. Obviously, Steve Hansen will be moving on. Kieran Reid, probably Whitelock, um, maybe Moody as well. But apart from those guys, if you look across that back line, uh, where you've got Barrett, Lynette Brown, Goodhue, Bridge, Sevy Reese, yeah. and, and, and Mwanga as well, and, yeah. and Geordie Barrett. It doesn't feel like an end of an era team. It feels like a team which probably will be even stronger in four years. Um, so I guess that's some silver lining for, for, for the Kiwis. But um, Yeah, but I guess for England as well, you know, yeah, true. Th- there'll be a few a few players moving on. But the majority um, of the guys, and particularly, you know, the players that we've mentioned that have mm. played so well during this World Cup will be around for um, for another World Cup. So um, the job's not done yet, but I think England and New Zealand were probably touted as the two best teams going into the World mm. Cup. Um, and so it could be uh, sort of some rivalry um, uh, over the years between those two teams. Any thoughts on on the on the World Cup? You uh, got any sort of predictions that obviously England victory will be our prediction and everyone's prediction because um, you'd be mad not to. But um, any thoughts? You think we'll be able to sort of put South Africa to bed quite comfortably, or do you think it will be a, a tight contest? I think what might sort of prove difficult is we've obviously um, based our game so far around just pure physicality. Um, being absolutely monstrous throughout the whole 80 minutes. You're incredibly um, kind of fit and strong um, athletes who are just so sort of committed to it. Where I think South Africa um, are sort of the best in the world um, is just with the forward replacements that they have mm. to come on. Um, so when you've got... Not many teams are doing 5-2 splits no. these days. When you've got Malcolm Marks, Stephen Kitsoff, um, you know, um, RG Seinman to, to come off the bench, obviously Francois. the great Francois Lowe. Um, as well to come off the bench. That you know, they're, they're they're all players. Mostar as well. Those are all players that would get into um, most international starting packs. So um, I think um, we be interested to see sort of the bench that, that like Eddie 60, Jones. 60 split, sorry, that, that Eddie, Eddie Jones picks here, yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, because that probably potentially could be tough to sort of go into to the last thirty minutes, and that was ultimately. Um, probably what made made it made it tell on on Sunday when when they beat Wales. Yeah, I think it will be a close game, not just because it's a, a World Cup final and there's bound to be nerves, but I think the way South Africa play and that they they kick almost every possession they have away sort of lends itself to really close games. And I think the New Zealand sort of won by by 10, 10 points or so in the end in, the, in that group stage game. And I think that's because they were so clinical when they got chances. And I think that's what England are going to have to be because the way South Africa play, you probably won't get that many visits into their 22. And so when we do, uh, we have to be clinical. And then if, if we are, I feel like we could uh, we could potentially win that quite comfortably. Um, but that's with but my, we all my see, raised yeah. tinted glasses on. Uh, but yeah, so, so, so excited for that game. 
um, Tom. And I wouldn't, also, I wouldn't want to be a Welsh fan now, sort no. of having to play New Zealand, potentially a bit of a backlash um, in that in that third fourth playoff on Friday night. I mean, uh, why they don't just abolish that that game? I know it's TV rights, but it's um, you know it's it's pretty brutal for the players to have to hang hang around um, hang around for another week there. Yeah, and if if it had been England losing and 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 then our five. England Bath players yeah. and Hatley as well had been forced to stick around the Japan for another week, delaying their sort of Bath return for another week. I'd have been pretty, pretty furious to be honest with you. So uh, I think glad that that isn't the case. And yeah, that must be just the worst game to have to prepare for. Um, and changes for for the uh, for the final. Do you think uh, old Rory McConaughey surely straight into the <laughs> straight into the fourteen journeys, jersey? Well, this, this is what he's um, this is what he's brought him out for. I think he's been hanging around for the final. Yeah, hanging around for the final. Um, I think maybe uh, Cruis into the into the second row just to freshen that up and add a bit of a bit of um, meat to to the line out, which I think is an area that Safka will look to target. Uh, but apart from that, um, all being well, obviously Johnny May, not sure about his fitness, all being well, I'd, I'd stick with, with yeah, the same team. Yeah, he, so. He'd be mad not to. Yeah. Uh, fingers crossed Faz sort of is okay for the final. Because and uh, Ben Spencer, the call of his life? <laughs> Imagine. I was waiting by the phone, but um call didn't come, unfortunately. <laughs> I obviously weren't at, at, at Lansdowne for, for my performance on, on Saturday, or, or actually maybe they were. Um, moving on to another game then, Tom, that we're also extremely excited about. The big game of next weekend, um, and that's Bath's game against Wasps at the Rico Arena. Uh, this one's sort of shaping up now to be uh, quite a, a, a winnable game for Bath, given Wasps have lost their opening two fixtures, losing in the first week against London Irish at the Rico. This looks quite winnable for the blue, black and white. Yeah, it does. And, you know, we spoke about... Um, well, one of the main things we spoke about in the in the preseason podcast um, was our inability to to win mm-hmm. on the road last yeah. season. Only won um, three times um, mm-hmm. last season away out of out of obviously this was um, one of the, them the eleven well. games. And exactly, this was mm-hmm. one of them just before um, Christmas um, in Coventry. We were, we were, we were actually there, and this is a um, you know this is a massive opportunity, as you say, um, to lose to to London Irish. Um, in that first game, it would have been very, very disappointing for for Wasps fans. London Irish, who um, have kind of cobbled together um, a number of Southern Hemisphere players, some of whom um, are still injured, things like Sean O'Brien, and some of whom are sort of still to um, still to come back. So Adam Adam Coleman, um, uh, to name one, for example, and um, Opie Kepper on about two million pound a year. Yeah, exactly. Over the hill. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then obviously to lose comfortably. Um, against Gloucester, twenty-five-nine at, at King's Home. Um, Wasps really aren't in form, mm. um, and looking down um, their team sheet and some of the injuries um, that, that are still not quite right. I think if you're a Wasps fan, you'd be um, you'd be very concerned. So um, flipping that round um, to, to, to to a Bath uh, point of view, this is a game that we um, we really need to to, to be targeting. Mm. Yeah, just, um, go on. Sorry, no, go on. Yeah, just to put a bit of meat on on the bones about those those Wasps injuries, a bit specifics. Uh, in the, no Jack Willis, who was impressive in that first in defeat in that first game against London Irish. No Thomas Young, mm-hmm. uh, so probably their two main breakdown threats uh, both out. Jimmy Gopeth though may be back. Um, it, it's being reported in, in commentary live uh, this week that he may make his return from injury, whether that's off the bench or to start. He's obviously a hugely influential figure to undoubtedly have a big say in the game. But yeah, with those two guys out in, in, in the back row for, for Wasps, two guys that are key to the to the way they play and with sort of 
that back line still getting to know itself. Yeah, as you say, massively winnable game for, for Bath. Yeah, and the other one is, is Ben Bellicott, yeah. um, who's obviously moved um, across from Gloucester. He um, is still out um, with a relatively long-term um, knee injury. Um, Dan Robson came off um, against Gloucester um, after about sort of 35 minutes there. Um, and he sort of has only sort of just started um, uh, or training or, or will be training sort of later um, in the week sort of as, as we record. So um, he'll again be a doubt for, for, um, for the game. Um, so a few kind of um, injury concerns, as you say, Jimmy Gopeth um, will, will be the one that um, will probably be sort of a touch and go and will probably be kind of crucial to, um, to if he returns. But I think either way, um, reading sort of the match reports um, for the Gloucester game, one of the... Um, one of the areas that they particularly struggled in was the scrum, was the line-out. Um, Gloucester, obviously, with that massive, um, mainly South African um, pack, um, to be honest. And I think they, um, uh, the, the, the Wasp Type 5 uh, really struggled. So that'll be an area um, coming off that, that really encouraging win against Exeter that, um, that I think um, that they'll be targeting this week. Will Stewart revenge game as well. Uh, yeah. back, back at the Rico. Die Young desperately keep, keen to keep him there. And now in the blue, black and white, and uh, hopefully a big performance from him. Just on our injury front, Tom, mm. um, Thomas, as I mentioned, could be back. Uh, no need to rush him back, as we say, with, with the strength and depth at tight end. Um, Roberts went off, uh, so look out for his injury when the injury report comes out. Um, and yeah, Clark as well, you, you seem to mention that yeah. he's, he's got a, a, an injury. Talk us through that. Well, yeah, I just saw a, um, a post from Max Clark on Instagram. I, I don't know um, kind of any of the details, but it looked like he'd um, had surgery. Um, so I think that sounds like it's, it's not good news at all, which is, um, again, a shame. You know, he struggled again last season um, with injuries as well. And he's been such a, um, such a bright spark in that, um, in that midfield. So, um, as I say, no, you, no news yet on, um, on, on, on what that is or, or how long that he'll be out for, but um, not encouraging signs on that front. No, maybe encouraging signs, though, on, on Taolupe Falatao, who's at the latter stages, I think, yep. of his rehab. So uh, was back running, I think, in training for the first time sort of last week. So, fingers um, crossed, yeah, maybe yeah. In, in a couple of weeks' time. He'll be back, obviously be key to our success this season. Um, so check out that injury report when it does come out. And if Bath Rugby, you are listening... Um, then please bring back those injury reports that you did so well at the start of last season and um, that we greatly appreciated. I'm sure a lot of Bath fans greatly appreciated. So, uh, yeah, bring that back and um, just keep everyone in the loop because it is really disappointing when you sort of hear of something out of the blue, such as the Nathan Cat injury for a season. Um, yeah, so when that does come out, if that does come out, or, or, or just follow um, Somerset Live or wherever for the injury news um, on that one. Uh, type five, the key then, Tom, for for, for the victory at, at the Rico. Yeah, I seem to be sort of becoming a bit of a broken record on that, but I do think, um, particularly in the first couple of games, we're um, beginning to see what the sort of Stuart Hooper blueprint was mm. uh, is, um, and that is sort of, as I say, um, a very very robust set piece. Um, the lineup, I think, in particular, well, the, the lineup's been very very um, strong, very consistent, both from um, you know with Tom Dunn and, and Jack Walker. Um, and just building, um, looking to dominate teams uh, physically. You know, if you can do it against Exeter, as I've said, mm. um, you've got a good chance uh, uh, to do it against anyone. And particularly with our um, attacking threats, um, still on the other side of the world, I think that'll be um, an area where we'll be uh, we'll, we'll be really focusing on uh, sort of this game and also sort of this season 
um, this season going forward. Yeah, Rocco, another game in his legs. Mm-hmm. Um, great to see him back. I think there was a lot of buzz about that on Twitter. So uh, another game in his legs. And um, yeah, it'd be good to see how he goes. And, and Ali Brew on, on the other wing, uh, probably. Or, or, or Levi Davis, who, uh, something I hadn't put on, on, on my very thorough agenda, uh, which you haven't looked at, um, the Levi Davis and TriStar qualify for the next round of X Factor. I know you're keeping, well, I thought you were keeping close tabs on that. Talk us through his performance. Um, I've got limited, <laughs> limited, uh, limited uh, views on his, his performance. I did see the, I think, the second round um, uh, performance that the, the three of them did, but um, yeah, I haven't, haven't, haven't managed to catch that one, I'm afraid. Uh, so uh, just as much analysis as there is uh, uh, usual from you on the performance at TriStar, but maybe him on the wing, uh, maybe Rocco, maybe Brew, uh, so, many, so many options on the wing, um, and interesting to see what they do at half-back and uh, yeah, 9 and 10, because yeah, that's I mean, still the area where, where you're not sure exactly what, what, what's going to come out. And there, there are a few options, but you know we are, um, particularly with the guys away in the back three, beginning to stretch, I would say, a little bit thin in mm-hmm. terms of squad depth. Um, and when you look ahead to, to to the fixtures in the pipeline, so um, as I say, games until the start of December on on consecutive um, weekends, and, and with Wasps um, obviously on Saturday, we've then got Northampton Saints who have started very very well, one of only two teams to um, to be on two from two wins so far. Um, then a double Champions uh, Cup header, so Ulster at home and Quinns away, straight back into Saracens at home on on the following Friday night. Um, then the double header against Clermont again, two um, uh, two consecutive um, weekends after that. So it's a seriously tough um, run of fixtures. So um, it's really important that these players are obviously managed well, as I'm sure they um, they will be. But obviously, it will be um, it will be a great relief to to everyone to to have um, a sort of full squad um, uh, back at Farley House. Well, interesting you say that, actually, Tom. That's quite an area that we, we I can ask you about and. Um, friend of the podcast, Ed Scott, actually got in touch with us on Twitter at Bath Rugby Plug, saying a flurry of injuries, especially in the backs, and returning internationals who will need a break. Do Bath have to concentrate on the Premiership? And presumably he's there sort of suggesting that we maybe um, don't throw uh, our strongest team at the Champions Cup, as you mentioned there, which will give the players more of a rest um, sort of further down in the season. What are your thoughts on that sort of idea? Um, it's, an, it's, an it's an interesting thought. Um, I, oh, <laughs> to be honest, it's, it, you know, there was a lot of um, kind of chat about the same kind of um, idea. Yeah, we did. Saracens. Yeah, that was in the. That was that was in the in the Premiership. Uh, yeah, Saracens. That was. Um, we kind of took that uh, took that loss. I, I personally wouldn't like to see um, that kind of um, attitude. I feel like those kind of selections. Um, feed through to the wider playing group, and I think um, you know, don't send a particularly good message out either to, to the players playing, um, the, you know, the top players not selected, and also um, to the fans who just sort of built um, a bit of uh, a bit of momentum. We've got these, uh, you know, we've got our, our players coming back, um, obviously following the the final um, this weekend. So um, I think we continue to to, to, to target our best um, in all competitions. I think the the Champions Cup pool, as I mentioned, when we when we preview the season, is potentially one that we can look to mm. look to get out of. If we can um, get a win against Ulster at home um, uh, on the 16th of, of, of November at the REC, um, we can you know have a decent chance potentially of, of qualifying, and it'd be brilliant to 
um, to Stamper Authority in that competition and look to move to the, to, to the quarterfinals of that. Yeah, I'd love to play sort of devil's advocate here and, and have the opposite opinion to that, Tom, but I, I completely agree um, for, for two reasons, really. One, because I think winning becomes a habit um, and losing also becomes a habit, as we've spoken mm. about. And I think it's key to sort of um, keep that momentum, if, if that's the right word, going. And also, I just think end of last season, the Leicester game, which we won and, and, and got ourselves into the top six for, we were so excited about getting into the top six. What's the point of being excited about getting into the top six yeah. and then just throwing the towel, towel in Europe? There's no point going for top six every year just to throw in the towel and go for top six and throw in the towel and go for top six. Like if we're going to sort of try and take take like sort of take ourselves seriously, we've got to try and target that competition. And, and the reason we were so excited about that is because of the, the, the games that we can see in, in Europe. And it's so much better being at the top table of Europe um, and, and, and watching those games. And they're so much better when you've sort of are competitive um, and, and yeah I think it's absolutely key that we sort of embrace that competition because otherwise you know sort of w- w- what's the point of, of the top six yeah and the relative it is all top teams will struggle during international periods because the nature of being a top team means that you you know you start to you start to lose players and it's just another challenge um, that we need to deal with it's uh, it's a challenge for um, for, for Stuart Hooper and co to deal with rotation in the squad mm. um, but I don't want to as you say see um, see us putting out sort of second string, um, second string sides because as, as uh, for, for the reasons you've um, you, you've, sort of, you've sort of highlighted, it really doesn't send sort of a, um, send the right message uh, going forward. And, and you know this is a this is a long term uh, vision. So um, let's put aside any um, short termism as, as it were and kind of focus on um, how good uh, the club can be. Mm, completely agree. Uh, certainly won't be uh, a weekend side against Wasps at the Rico and hopefully will be another fantastic weekend of rugby for blue, black and white supporters who also wear the rose. Um, two massive games of rugby. Hopefully we'll be in equally good spirits when we reconvene next week, Tom. Same time, same place. Um, so hit subscribe in your feed. If you haven't already, that podcast will be delivered straight uh, into your device. Um, and get in touch with us on Twitter, as I mentioned. Um, get on get on Facebook, get on the Bath Supporters. We're active on there. Join in the conversation. Get behind the blue, black and white. Because when the, the, the England train eventually comes, comes to a halt, um, you're going to need your fix of rugby. So uh, get behind us this season, please. Get behind the boys in blue, black and white. Um, as I mentioned, we're back from Japan now. Um, and this podcast will be out as we were last season, every Tuesday in your feeds. Um, The wheels are turning um, and it's great to be back, Tom. Absolutely. See you next week and enjoy the rugby next weekend. It probably will not get better than this in a long time, so enjoy it.